frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm gonna make him an awfully kind of a As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. I want knowledge, not faith or conjecture, but knowledge. I want God to reach out his hand, to show his face, to speak to me, but he is silent. I cry to him in the dark, but no one seems to be there. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio, the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Lewis. I'm Brandon. And we are here to talk about movies. Each week, Brandon and I um, alternate picking a film for us both to watch and discuss. This week, I had the honor of picking the film, and I chose The Seventh Seal from 1957, starring Max von Sydow, Bengt Eckrott, and many more, and directed by Ingmar Bergman. Um, I mean, this film deals with a lot of heavy issues. Um, It's one of the most touted films of all time, instantly recognizable, I'd say. Um, And this podcast is all about Brandon and I knocking these films off the list, making sure that we, you know, see the important films, kind of watch them together, talk about them. Um, And this is one that I was like, we need to knock it off the list. I need to see this movie. Yeah. Um, So hopefully you've all watched it before tuning in um, and we can obviously going to discuss it in full detail in just a minute. We'll go over third act spoilers and all that kind of good stuff. So um, we hope you enjoy that when it comes up in a little bit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Obviously, before we get into the proper show, thank you to everyone that's been listening, sending the love for the show, subscribing. Um, It really means a lot. Me and Brandon love getting together and talking about movies. Um, We want other people to be a part of it. We want to talk to other people about the films that we watch and the films that we like and the films that we don't like. Um, this is a film church, so everybody is welcome. Um, so just let us know, like what you, what have you been watching? What do you like? What don't you like? Um, leave it in the comments. We've got all our full catalog of episodes streaming currently. I mean, we've just finished a full Leone rewatch or first watch for, for myself where we went through chronologically and watched every film that Sergio Leone made. Is everybody feels, still with us after that? Is everybody it, still here? Yeah, it feels <laughs> weird not talking about Leone. Yeah. You know, it feels very strange. Um, but we've also got Lilies of the Field, which I think ties itself into this film quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much good stuff back there. So go and check them all out if you haven't listened to them already. We, we would appreciate it. Um, and you, obviously, we are everywhere on social media. You can follow us at Film Church Radio. We're putting out some interesting stuff of late. Um, and hopefully, that continues. Um, yeah, before we talk about the main film, though, me and Brandon like to just talk about what we've been watching this week, catch up with each other. Because, um, you know, we watch a lot. Um, and we like to know what the other person's watching. So, Brandon, first of all, how are you, my friend? Welcome. I'm doing good, man. Good. Recovering still from the shingles, which we talked yeah. about a few weeks ago, but you know, the medicine helped. It was, Good. uh, you know, I, I downplayed it the first time I talked about it, but if, uh, if anybody thinks they have shingles, go get that taken care of because 
it's better to get it done in the first three days Good. and get get the medicine. But it's just kicking my butt more than I thought it would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I keep wanting to be like, all right, now it's time to get out there, and then I'm like, oh, my body hurts. Yeah, <laughs> but can't imagine. Yeah, it's uh, it's almost gone. It's on its way out. Could see it, see it slowly going away. Good. But yeah, all all good things other than that. Yeah, awesome, awesome. So tell me, what have you been watching this week? So I've I've watched quite a few TV shows, um, yeah. but only watched one movie. I'm excited for you to get caught up on Daredevil, so we can talk about it when whenever you get caught up on that. It's been out for a while, but it's yeah. now in Disney's hands. And, and uh, did you see the news that came out this week? No. What's the news? Uh, rumored that Disney are working on a new Daredevil show. Oh, sweet. Oh, now that, that they've introduced great. Kingpin and uh, Matt Murdock, they yeah. think that they're just going to kind of... Continue it? Yeah. That would be great because, man, like, you know, the the Netflix Marvel shows that they did were kind of hit and miss, but Daredevil was really, really good. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's got some cheesy parts, but so do the other Disney Plus shows. Like, yeah. you know, and... um. Man, it's really good. We're we're I'm doing a rewatch right now with my girlfriend, and we're on season two now, and it just gets so good, man. Like John Bernthal awesome. comes in in season yeah. two, and he's like such a badass. That's awesome. Um, the the casting was great, so I'm excited for you to get get caught up on that. But, the trouble is because I seem to like I feel like I need to really dedicate a night and watch like two or three episodes and be yeah. like get really into it and be like, I can't wait to see what's happening because at the moment yeah. I'm just watching it in bits. It, but every it, night I have the opportunity to do that is when my wife is away working. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I've got to knock out these depressing films that she doesn't want yeah. to watch. <laughs> you know? yeah. so no, I feel to... that. It, it is one of those shows that, you know, it's pretty good in the beginning, but it, it does yeah. it is a slow burn. Like once you get to that point, it's like mid mid to later in the first season where it really gets, you really start to see these, characters come out and the acting gets really really good and you just get really invested but um but until that point yeah you're just kind of like you know Mm. not really sure if you want to put on another episode or not but it it does get to that point where you like have to see what happens that's awesome but yeah i'm excited for you to get there (laughs) yeah me too (laughs) but uh other than that the one movie i did watch is madness in the method from 2019 uh, I believe it was written and directed by Jason Mewes. Let me yeah. just double check on that. Uh, but you know, it was a movie that I heard about back when it came out. I mean, this was pre-COVID, right? And mm-hmm. uh, that same year. Okay, so he didn't write it, but he did direct it and stars in it. Um. That same year was also Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and that was like the one everybody, like if you're a Kevin Smith fan, you went and saw Jay and Silent Bob reboot, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, and I heard about this movie. Yeah, you know, I was interested in watching it, but I never really sought it out. Um, and after you and I had been talking about all the Marvel movies, like the early first Marvel movies, you know, you and I have kind of been watching a few of those. Like I watched. Daredevil from 2003, you watched yeah. X-Men from 2000, and then I watched the Blade movies from yeah. the late 90s. And um, I started thinking about Kevin's, uh, I'm sorry, um, started thinking about um, Stan Lee 
and his cameos and stuff because he didn't have a cameo in the Blade movies. So I was like, I wonder what his first cameo was, which was X-Men. That was his first um, Marvel movie cameo, right? Oh, wow, yeah. Was X-Men in 2000, which was like a very small part. Like you barely see him. But, um, and he's also like, but he did other cameos. So I was like looking at Stanley's IMDb page, yeah. which he, he does a cameo in Mallrats in the early 90s, which is Kevin Smith's movie. But he passed, I believe, in 2019, right? Mm-hmm. So Stanley was in Captain Marvel, yeah. and that's when they did the tribute or whatever, and then he was in Endgame. But he's also in Madness and the Method. Like, that's like one of his last credits on his IMDb page. So I was like, you know, I never sought out this movie to watch it, so I, I looked it up. It's on Prime. I was like, I'm going to give this a watch. It's like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so wacky dude it's it's pretty funny like there was you know it's cheesy you know like like you would expect um but it's like it's jason muse in the director's chair yeah Uh, so it's a little bit different and it's and it's a little crazy and it's it's a lot of fun there was a couple of moments that did make me like laugh out loud um but the basically not to give too much away the plot of the movie is like jason muse wants to be taken seriously as an actor so he like gets this book on method acting and like takes it too far. Okay. <laughs> so uh early in the movie there's a scene with um him and Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith is like trying to explain to him what method acting is. And he and uh he's like Okay, my left foot, Daniel Day Lewis. And Muse is like, I don't know what movie that is. <laughs> and, and so Kevin Smith is like, okay, Suicide Squad, Jared Leto. <laughs> Which I just found like hilarious. Like it's supposed yeah. to be a joke, but like yeah. he's trying to compare different different method actors and like that's the yeah. two he picks. Um, <laughs> but it's good. Like it's a, it was a fun watch. That's awesome. That's cool. I love those, like, not hidden gems, but the ones that just didn't get any kind of publicity. You know, they just yeah. kind of went under the radar and full of a lot of people that you know and like. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's cool. kind of like that. It's pretty wacky. There's, like, so many weird cameos in it. It was obviously, like, very low budget yeah. and stuff, but it was, you know, a good hour and a half. If That's you're a great. Kevin Smith fan and a Jason Muse fan, I would suggest, like, yeah, you're going to like it. Yeah, and the Stan Lee cameo was great. Like, it, yeah. was, it was awesome to see him, so. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? I mean, I've been pretty much the same as you. I mean, it's been quite a lot of TV. There's a HBO comedy series called Hacks that's just come back, um, and we really like that. It's it's really funny. It's got, like, a heart to it, um, kind of main characters that you don't normally see. Yeah, I guess in kind of like the comedy series, you know. Um, so that's back for its second season. And the first two episodes were out, so we've been watching that. And it's still great, funny, shocking, you know. All the stuff that HBO are known for, I'm sure that it's probably not... It's not like Barry, but it's in the same kind of wheelhouse, you know. it's It's got the drama and the comedy. Right, yeah. Um, and it's just a really fun watch, you know. I think um, all the characters are likable and... Um, they all have their own like storylines, which is good. So yeah. 
you kind of switch between the two a lot. So we've watched that. Um, and then I watched The Naked Kiss from 1964, directed by uh, Samuel Fuller. And is Samuel Fuller is a director that I haven't seen a lot, of, a lot of, but when I looked up, I own a lot of his films, which happens quite regularly. You know, yeah. there's kind of like box sets that I've bought that are limited edition that are kind of his earlier films. And um, there's a few on the like Criterion and other ones that I collect that he's released films through that I just, it's just for some reason, you know, I know the name, but I couldn't have named a film before today, just off the top of my head, apart from maybe one. Um, and it's like a very pulpy American movie about a, uh, a prostitute who moves to like a small town and tries to kind of turn her life around. And okay. it's not like, I was expecting it to be very um, understated and kind of like hinting at what she was. Yeah. But there's a part in the movie where I don't know. I'm not going to say it because it's going to give something away. Yeah. But everyone is very like, like she says the like she says, I'm a prostitute, you know, at, at certain points. Um, especially for an American movie in like the early 60s, I was like, this feels so weird. And there's yeah. some stuff that happens in the third act that I cannot believe is in a Hollywood film, let alone huh. one from 1964. Yeah. So I kind of, I went in, um, it was one of the criterions I bought recently and I kind of just, it was 90 minutes and I was like, I want to just put this on and kind of, you know, just see what it's about. It's just a short watch. And I was like, holy smokes. Like just, I just could not believe what I was seeing, you know? Was um, this like, um, I mean, the Hays, Hays Code was still around then, right? Yeah, it was, like, was it like, yeah, it was um, nearing the end yeah, I think you know because the the new Hollywood came in. What like Easy Rider was sixty eight, I think. So it was yeah. near in the end, but still, I mean, even for you know new Hollywood, this is there's certain parts in it that's extreme. Really surprised you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there was a point where I was like, like I I, I audibly gasped. It was so shocking. <laughs> um, huh. Yeah, it was. I mean, it sounds like a good movie. Yeah, it wasn't anything that I I mean this is again, I haven't heard anyone talk about it and I'm so interested to see what people made of it when it came out. Yeah. And like, you know, the legacy that it's got cuz it's like I said it's not like something I've seen before cuz the storyline sounds really like cliche, right? It's just someone that's had a checkered past trying to turn their life around, but it does some really interesting things with it. So, sweet. Yeah, sounds I'm good. glad I watched it. Yeah. I want to dive a little bit more into Fuller. I think I've got a few more that are kind of just laying around that I need to watch. So, yeah, I mean, I recognize the name, but I can't think of any of his films off the top of my head. I'm sure if I looked them up, I would be like, "Oh, I've seen that. I've seen that." Yeah, there's this. There seems to be a lot. You know, I don't think he ever made quote unquote a classic. What anyone would, you know, it's not kind of regularly touted on the top lists anywhere, but a lot of recognizable titles yeah you know, pick up on um is it south street yeah i think that's the one i'd heard of and had seen before actually so okay yeah sweet but yeah interesting guy yeah by the sounds of it so yeah one of those that you just can't wait to get to the special features yeah for sure which is why physical media is so important everyone i know right yeah yeah <laughs> need those but commentaries yeah, that was it. yeah the comment i mean 
that's a good shout. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch it again with the commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, sweet. Yeah, but that's all I've been watching. That's all cool. I've had a chance to watch apart from today's film, yes. which is The Seventh Seal from 1957. Like I said at the top, directed by Ingmar Bergman. The summary is a knight returning to Sweden after the Crusades seeks answers about life, death, and the existence of God as he plays chess against the Grim Reaper during the Black Plague. Um, Like we said, it's one of those films that you see everywhere. I mm. mean, I think I've, you know, the chess scene I knew about, um, I'd, like, you know, you say to anyone, Seventh Seal, and they're like, oh, the one with death. Yeah. Right, where he plays chess. You know, it's kind of one of those films that has just become bigger than it actually is. You know, not in a horrible way. It's a great film, but like everybody knows it. I feel like it's this colossus to take down. Um, and the reason I chose it was for that reason. I was like, I want to see this movie. I want to like knock it off my list, but I also want to see, you know, what the what the hype's about. You know, yeah, is for it sure. as good as people are making out? Um, had you kind of ever been, you hadn't seen it before, but have you ever been like tempted to watch it at any point? Um, probably at some point. I mean, Ingmar Bergman is, you know, a super famous writer director. Um, Mm. I believe, I think Wild Strawberries is the only thing of his that I've seen, which I watched maybe a year or two ago for one of my film classes. Um, so I've I've wanted to seek out his films before, but um, I don't think I knew the name of this film, Seventh Seal. But like, obviously, after watching it, I there are so many things from this film that I've seen bleed over to other films, especially yeah. like the character of death. Yeah. Um. It, you know, it feels familiar. Yeah. Like when you watch it, it feels like something. I think because it's it's bled over into so many more films. Um, but never, like... I, I've never talked about this film, or it's never come up in any film conversations that I've had, so it's it probably yeah. just has never really been on my radar, but... Um, or maybe it has, and I just, you know, overlooked it or something, but... Mm. Um, but, yeah, it... Uh, you know, I enjoyed it a lot, but it it did feel very familiar. It, it's yeah. interesting because, like, when you when you brought up that you wanted to watch it last week, um, it sounded like okay, this is going to be a very like dark film, which it is. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting, like when it start when the film starts, right? And you and um, it's kind of operatic, but also very very much like a fable, you know. Yeah. Um, it starts, I think, with like the chiming bell, and then the the credits are like silent, and then there's like this operatic yeah. kind of music with the imagery, and then you meet Death and and this character, and they decide to play chess. Like Death is kind of charming to me, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when the film starts out, um, and he never really, he never really seems to grim you know what i mean it's not like the grim reaper wearing a skull and like coming after you yeah um so i think there's like this um almost a relief in some ways it's like death is like this thing that people don't normally want to talk about but it like 
I think the film tries to like ease the subject to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from some of the stuff that I was, I mean, I went on the Criterion disc, they had like an introduction from Bergman himself. And he said that this film was born out of his fear of death. Mm. It was like him trying to kind of confront it. And there is something comforting about it. I know that like death plays a big part and, you know, obviously there's going to be spoilers at the end. Pretty much all the characters we've met apart from three die, mm-hmm. you know, or are taken by death. There's something oddly like confident. I don't know how to like explain it. It kind of, do you know what I mean? It just makes sense, you know, and they don't seem to be in of, like in fear. Yeah. It's, you know, they kind of, they do, you know, say, I'm not going to go, you know, quietly, but if this is our time, this is what we're going to do. Um, yeah. I mean, as someone that, you know, is terrified by death personally and kind of co- like thinks about it all the time, yeah. like unintentionally, like it just kind of pops up all the time. This film was a little bit like a, um, a bit like a ther- like therapy session, yeah. you know, being yeah, confronted exactly. with it and seeing it. And it's kind of like, what we said about wonder darkly right like th- my emotional reaction to that was because i have a daughter and i could feel the the panic you know i'd been through that yeah kind of, i mean i hadn't been through that but i'd been through that kind of emotional you know fear yeah um and i think that this works in the same way it is i think it's so clever not to not to just have death as a character because like you said you know it feels familiar because it's been imitated so many times mm-hmm. but to set it during the black plague right and the crusades you know because it's death was everywhere it's like what we've been going through similarly the last few years mm-hmm. you know just the the constant fear of you could get infected at any time by anyone you know yeah leaving your door leaving your house was a um a risk yeah exactly so um yeah, it felt very relevant as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's probably why it's it's uh you know, considered such an important film and like one of the greatest films. Yeah. You know, it's on a lot of the greatest films list is because it's it's remained relevant. Yeah. You know, throughout For its sure. history. Um I think the reason that it might feel so comforting at the end is because the the family lives yeah like the three those three characters the husband the wife and the their baby boy which um for me felt like a good ending like it felt like yeah i i you know if they had died i feel like it i wouldn't want to rewatch this movie yeah there was that sinister part where death is like oh are they the ones with the with the child uh-huh. And um, Block is like, why? And he's like, no reason. That was like, oh shit. Yeah. You know, that was suit. That was, you know, very like that terrifying. You know, it was super scary. Just that sudden like switch into like nowhere is safe. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think again, it comes at the right time in the movie. You can just see that they need to get out of there. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's building up to the, you know, the climax. I think that's that's uh 
kind of what keeps your interest at that point is like you're afraid that that family might die and you know then they're um then they're like trying to get away there's like a storm coming and they're they're trying to ride away you know get away from like it's like they're outrunning death basically in that that you know it's like the second to last scene or something but um yeah you know the family i mean i don't think we would necessarily feel that way about the family if like the actors weren't so damn charming (laughs) i mean yeah that portrayal of like a little happy family yeah like every character apart from maybe um antonius is not the nicest Mm -hmm. but these the whole family unit are just adorable yeah literally yeah like as soon as you know when the when the movie started i was like oh this is kind of interesting this is like you know like a fable about trying to outbeat death it took me a while to kind of figure out what was going on because it almost seemed like uh you know he's like washed up on the shore and you know you don't know where you are in the store you don't know what's going on and then then and then it's like all of a sudden he's like riding on a horse and they're not he's not playing chess anymore so i was like what is this yeah. like a flashback to his life yeah. or what? And then it took a little while. Like, I don't know what it was, but like at some point I just got it. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. he's currently like they let they, he let you know at some point, I think in one of the, you know, within the first 20, 30 minutes that like, oh, he's still playing chess. Yeah. Like yeah. he's still, you we'll know, there's this game at the tavern kind of thing. Yeah, there's like there's something going on. Like what you as a viewer sees isn't necessarily what everyone in the movie sees. Yeah. And then um the character of Joff comes in, played by Nils Poppy, is that how you say it? Or Pope Pop? I don't uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um they're all Swedish actors, I believe. Um but like as soon as he comes on the screen first of all like you just like fall in love with him he's like just waking up yeah. he's like doing acrobatics to like stretch in the morning and i'm like all right i got to take notes on this morning routine <laughs> 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 this is how you start your day right here yeah uh and then he um he sees uh this woman and a child in the distance which you find out you know, once he, uh, you know, after he sees them, like, first of all, like, the shot of when he sees them and the shot, like, pulls in on him, on his expression of seeing them, like, that shot, that moment when the music came in was when I was like, oh, this is, this is getting really good. Like, yeah. I like this. Yeah. Um, so that, that part of the movie got me. Um, and, and so I think because of that, like, jumping all the way to the end, when the family does live, I think that's like what tied it all together for me and made me go, yes, okay, cool. I'm happy yeah. with this. Yeah. Um, but back to the scene in the beginning is like, or, you know, his first scene is once he goes and tells his wife that he saw this woman and the child, you find out that he can like see yeah, um, spiritual things that aren't, you know, that not everyone can see, you know, like death and like the afterlife and stuff. Yeah. Um, which ties back in again later in the film. But yeah, I just, I, that, that scene just got me, you know, and then Mm -hmm. it introduces his wife and the child and stuff. And it just, that whole family thing just really worked. I think. For sure. Cause 
like like I said, I'd watched Persona like a week ago, two weeks ago. Um and that kind of starts to blend reality with fit you know, with um with the spiritual and stuff like that. So when they started, I was like, is this where we're going again? Is it going to be, you're never quite sure which is real. And I had the same as you. I was like, we're we going back to see him as a child. Like, is this his father? Yeah. You know? Um, and Persona is a, a Bergman film, right? Yeah. That's yeah. right. Um, it was before this? I think it's after. Okay. I'm not sure though. Um, but yeah, I mean, the family unit, uh, adorable. I love them just you know being entertainers and kind of not taking they never seem to take it too seriously you know they they're just yeah. focused on kind of caring for each other and and being together um which i think ultimately saves them mm-hmm. you know they're just they're just out for themselves but also having a they never seem overly worried with death or what anybody else is kind of doing yeah um which is refreshing and plus they're entertainers so mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's a part of the reason why they lived, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think all the characters in this are, have their moments to shine and are really entertaining. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, I like how he kind of, like they collect more people as they move forward and yeah, um, their stories kind of all get woven together. And yeah, I yeah, think I'm going to re- really enjoy this on a second watch because, you know, in the beginning you don't really realize that it's going to create this, like, ensemble of, like, characters or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then by the end, you know, it all ties together really good. So it's it'll be fun to go back and watch it and kind of see all these characters. Like, notice how all these characters are introduced again. Like, you know, the family is what stood out to me the first time watching it, but I think some other characters might stand out again on the rewatch. Yeah, so when um so when I was having, you know, eat my dinner early, I I went and rewatched the first like 30 45 minutes again. Okay, cool. Because like you said with the with the ending the way it is and his visions, I'd kind of forgotten that he had had the visions at mm. this point. Um so I went back and watched it and I was like, wow, you know, I'd, they kind of they show you proof of God 10 minutes into the film. Yeah. You know, with the Virgin Mary kind of walking with her son, you know, you see that. Um, and the rest of the film is, you know, um, Antonius Block looking for some physical form of God. Yeah. But us as the audience, like, we've already seen that, you know. And I don't know. Again, I think there's so much into this that I'm not sure what it's trying to say. I don't know whether it's like God only shows himself to certain people or like only you know if you go looking for him you're not going to find him yeah you know it's it there's so many layers to it yeah that's true um and as you know from lilies in the field i am like i love people questioning religion in film Mm -hmm. yeah like i just i'd find that whole idea so interesting yeah and just like how this big you know part of your life can be like questioned and it's just so interesting to me. So this whole film, I was like, this is, I'm in, like I can, yeah, I get, I get it, you know, but yeah, just, wow. So the, the main character, um, Antonius Block, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Uh, played by Max von Sydow. Uh, yeah. 
I'm sure I've seen him in a ton of stuff. I mean, I yeah. know he's in like the the Force Awakens, like in the first few minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the character, so in in the film, he he is uh, he's like cheating death a little bit. You know, Trying in the to, end, yeah. he, he 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 doesn't succeed or whatever. But in a way, he does because he has like he wants to stay alive for a little while to to have one last like meaning to his life, I guess. Right. Yeah. What do you think that was in the end? Cause it seems like he succeeded, but, um, mm. I think whatever that was, I'm, you know, I probably would notice if I rewatched it, but I don't I know think, if I'd notice this time. I just, from his like speech and stuff like that, I think it was probably saving another, you know, he, like he was so out to try and save himself with this chess match, and in the end, he fought like he forfeits it to save the family. Mm. So I think it's about you know the me- not to get too deep, but I think it's about you know the meaning of life, being able to you know look out for others, yeah, and help them, um, and maybe it won't be as painless when it comes, you know, painful as it when it comes my mistake. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just, that's the scene that when he like knocks his pieces over, I was like, okay, he's doing this so that it can get away. He's going to probably lose this match. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, but yeah, that's that's how I kind of read it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure Bergman intended you to read it a hundred different ways. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah, sure to be not. kind of uh, open, sort of open-ended in some ways where you yeah. could you could read into it uh, in different ways, which is, um, I think, how films like this work, you know? Yeah. It's like, because there, there's, certain, there's certain things that um, are universal when it comes to faith. I mean, there's so many different religions, even if you don't have a religion, you kind of not having a religion is your religion. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, everybody kind of hitches their beliefs to something, even if it's Mm non-belief, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the film works kind of in a lot of ways. I mean, I guess, except for the fact that you see the Virgin Mary and, presumably Jesus, I guess. I don't know. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those films I feel like I should put on every once in a while just to like understand life a little better. (laughs) Yeah. But I I think that that's where this film worked for me a lot because I know like when I go back, there's going to be different things I get out of it but I don't feel like it diminished my original watch. I didn't come away being like, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. You know, I think that the seventh seal, like it seems like this mountain, you know, everyone, you know, it's kind of, it's widely touted as one of the greatest art house films ever made, you know, Igmar Bergman, especially for the people that like film is kind of, you know, everyone knows who he is. Yeah. Maybe not have seen many of his films, but they know him. It feels like a colossus to kind of, to tackle. You know, and it's yeah, nine, it's like ninety six minutes, um, 
it ne- it's never like hard to follow. You know, yeah. it's very accessible. Um, and I was surprised that the chess game in the sea on the beach was like first 10 minutes. Right, yeah. And I was like, where are we going to go from here? You know, I feel like this is the most... This is the climax. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought this was where we were going to end, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I was surprised at how um, open it was to, like, to viewers. Mm-hmm. You know, because... Um, again, in my research, I'd like been reading a little bit about it, and this was kind of the film that that broke through for the art house. You know, there'd been like Kurosawa films and stuff like that that had come before, but this was the film that in American art house, the people were like, "Holy smokes, we've got to pay attention to this," and that's where you know these European films started coming in that we've kind of talked about and okay. foreign films, um, and I, I can see why. You know, I can imagine going to the cinema. Because this, it, it feels like an intellectual piece of cinema, but it's very accessible. Like I've said, yeah, I, exactly. I keep saying yeah. accessible. You don't, but. We, yeah, but I mean, you just mean like it, you don't have to do a whole lot of, you know, interpretation to get it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's not, it's not like, well, did that sheep mean that that was Jesus? It was like, hey, I'm death. It's like, yeah. okay, this is a bad death, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but like I said, I think that just the setting is really interesting. You know, the Crusades were a religious war, so like being shipped across to to fight for religion, and then coming back and being like, "Does religion like does does God exist? Like He hasn't shown Himself. Like He hasn't helped us win this war. You know, I've seen thousands of people die. There's a plague back home." You know, yeah. if you didn't, it's one of those typical things that you're like, why didn't people question it? You know? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that this film explores that. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, the, and the cinematography is amazing. Like that, that helps oh, with the, the fable of it all. I mean, it most recently reminds me of uh, the Macbeth. Yeah. Oh that, yeah. That was just, came out on Apple TV plus with, Denzel Washington, like the the black and white, and just like the um, the staging and the imagery and and everything is is beautiful, um, and and then the performances, like everyone is just so good. You know, you're you feel like you're just like front stage of like one of the best plays you've ever seen. It's funny you say that because this was originally a play. Yeah, I did read that. Yeah, yeah, um, and I was gonna talk about like his direction for it because I feel like when you get a play translated to the screen, it's hard not to make it stagey. It's hard mm-hmm. not to kind of place the camera where the audience would be in a theater and kind of you know let characters play out. But on this, it was like Bergman seemed to be putting the camera where the audience could never get to, right. And it just it just worked. I mean, there's the scene where uh, Yoff is kind of in the tavern and they find out he's an actor and they start making him dance on tables. And that's the shot that I think is like close up to his face and there's like a flickering, like the place is on fire and you can just see that he's kind of like, he's terrified for his life. And then it cuts down to his feet. I just don't know how, it, like the the angles are just so different. They're not, like 
normally use you know they, they don't seem generic they're yeah. like tilted up a bit it's it's incredible yeah and i love the shot one of the opening shots of the the sky with the bird just kind of hanging there mm-hmm. that was great it seems yeah. like you know time had stood still for a second yeah um yeah yeah I just mean, like masterful storytelling yeah yeah and really like sells that idea of a of a fable. It's interesting that it was a play beforehand. I wonder if most of the actors were the same actors and they just like got yeah. it really down. Yeah. You know, as far as their performances and stuff because it really feels like everyone just inhabited their characters. Yeah, you know? for sure. Oh yeah. I mean, there was a few standout performances. I mean, I really enjoyed Jons, his like his helper, yeah, person. Um, there was a few troubling moments, as there normally is in these older films, <laughs> yeah. but um, I, yeah, I thought that you know I liked his kind of. I don't know. I liked his. He was a bit punchy, a little bit rough and ready, you know. Um, yeah, I enjoyed him a lot, and then there was. Um, Lisa, the blacksmith's wife. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, she was that, hilarious. Yeah, that bit of comedy where she kind of comes around trying to seduce him. Uh-huh. And then later she's like, Oh, we can go home. I'll cook your favorite meal. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Jans is like, oh, Here, come, you know, she's going to cry in a minute. And then she starts crying. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, like you were saying earlier, the, the fact that you think it's going to be a little bit of devoid of humor and very heavy yeah. and like, mm-hmm. you know but it's actually really funny. Yeah. And really light and just, you know, it's, everything seems to flow together. It doesn't feel like, you know, the button head's trying to break through. Yeah, exactly. Have you ever seen um, Martin Scorsese's Silence? I have. Yeah. Yeah. This feel like Silence feels like it's a continuation of this story in a lot of ways because it deals with the theme of like, I mean, the title is based on like God's silence. It's like deals with the theme of questioning your faith and like, you know, praying to God and then him not answering um, or it not answering. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That that feels like a movie I want to like watch again after this yeah Cause, i can remember yeah because yeah. i watched it I've, I've watched it i think two times but not since it first came out so yeah yeah i can yeah. remember i took chelsea to it and i was like adam driver's in it it's gonna be fine and then uh-huh. you know it's a very heavy religious epic really yeah mm-hmm. you know um yeah I'm, i keep i forget that that film exists which is really bad yeah um but it's i mean it's funny because I was going to say that I like the out of the films that I've bought recently, The Passion of the Christ is the one that keeps sta- like is the one that I'm just itching to put in the DVD player. The Passion of the Christ or the Last Temptation? Oh, no. The of Last Christ. Temptation of Christ. Yeah. No, not Mel Gibson's film. Yeah, Martin um, Scorsese's film. film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, which I feel would would be a great follow up to this. Of uh, the Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. You know, just that religious aspect of it. Because, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, Scorsese is super interested in religion. Yeah, yeah. Which I like a lot. And I feel like you've seen Last Temptation of Christ, right? Never. Oh, okay. I won't say anything then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely watch it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is good. Yeah. I won't, I won't yeah. say anything. Okay, cool. Zip. Mouth okay. shut. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully going to watch it this coming week. Sweet. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how does how does this film compare to uh, Bergman's other films? Do you think? Because you've watched how many have you watched now? I know I've you have watched, the big, the yeah, big uh, Criterion <laughs> box set, right? It's like huge. Yeah. I've only watched three. <laughs> okay, this is one of them. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I enjoyed Persona. It was like mind bending. Um, but I feel like this is just the fact that I finished watching it, went away for a bit, thought about it, and with the same day, I was like. Oh, I want to watch the opening again. Yeah. Says a lot, you know. And yeah, I think for sure, yeah. I could definitely put it on when I had a spare an hour and a half and be very happy with the choice I made. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's Seventh Seal, right? It's it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Um, And I'm glad I've seen it. Yeah, it demands your attention, not only because it's a good film, but also because it's subtitled and you have to read Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so um is it whetted your appetite for more bergman i think so yeah um yeah he seems like a very interesting filmmaker uh i don't i don't know where i would go next yet i i think i would i think i need to rewatch wild strawberries because i remember liking it but i only really remember liking it i can't yeah. and and sort of what it was about i don't really he like nothing else is like coming into my brain when I'm trying to retrieve that movie out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I just remember liking it. So I think I need to rewatch that, which is another uh I feel like I heard about that movie more than than this. Uh, yeah, I feel like Wild weird. Strawberries is super like well talked about as well. Yeah. Apparently it came out the same year. Yeah. So wow, he, okay, was, wow. he was a busy guy. I think he directed like 50 films right something like that he directed a lot of films yeah um and on that criterion like introduction he says that he thinks only 10 of them are any good wow (laughs) which i don't think could be further from the truth i'm sure yeah you know the vast majority are better than a lot that we've seen (laughs) that's still that's still a lot i mean to say that you enjoy 10 of your own films is is quite a feat because i feel like most directors that have done a lot of movies or just most directors in general don't like their own movies. I don't feel like, because he said, you know, pre that, it was just, he's not, um, he doesn't watch them. They make him feel a little bit sick, like rewatching his own films. Uh, but yeah. the ones that he feel like, maybe the ones he feels he got right, this was one of them. Yeah. Like he got across what he was trying to say. Yeah. Um, That's good. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I want to kind of. I know that he did a few, like Through a Glass Darkly. I think is a little bit more horror-y. Uh huh. Um, and I'd love to see that kind of that as well. So maybe Through a Glass Darkly is going to be the next one that I go to. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting to see him do something a little, because it 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 is dark, but it's also hopeful. You yeah, know, that's what it's I said. not yeah, like I, a, yeah. It it's not. It doesn't leave you feeling like. 
because death is a part of everyone's life. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we all, it's all there waiting for us. Yeah. You know, at the end of our journey. Um, but it's not, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah. You know, it can be a beautiful thing. And I think this, this film tries to get you there, but it would be interesting to see him do something a little bit darker too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, and that's what I'm interested in because I don't know how to, I don't know how to read the ending of this film. I don't know whether they're supposed to look like silly or whether it's supposed to be them like being free, you know, and definitely kind of like leading them like the Pied Piper kind of thing. Right. Um, or they're like slaves. Yeah. I mean, maybe the one something. thing, because the one thing that I don't know if it would hold up on a second rewatch, kind of like analyzing the characters, but they all seem to be a little bit obsessed with death as a group. Uh huh. So maybe the, you know, the family that aren't fixated on it or like worried about it are the, are the ones, ones that, that mm. are free, you know, they're not led by death. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, I can you, totally I could, see that. Yeah. You could probably rewatch it in a character who'd be like, I'm not scared of death. <laughs> and you'd be like, okay, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> yeah. But even the, um, the Yoff character, he is, you know, t- towards that last scene, he can see, he knows that death is behind them. Yeah. You know, when yeah. they're in the carriage and that, you know, the storm is coming. Mm. Uh, well, I mean, and he sees death, he, like he sees the, the main character playing chess with death, you know, so like he, it's only on his mind because he can see it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just privy to these visions. Right. But, um, man, it's beautiful. Like it's, it's. I don't know. It's a film I'm going to be thinking about a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely agree with you. I think that, at like, it's one that I feel like I'm comfortable showing other people as well. Yeah. You know, it doesn't need a kind of a, a massive understanding of cinema to kind of understand what this is trying to get across. Yeah, it's like you you don't you don't have to be a film scholar to get this movie, but I think your average person could watch this movie and realize that film can be scholarly. Yeah. And that's probably like what you were saying with how this film, you know, crossed over, you know, it took the art house film to the mainstream and that's probably why, you know, it's like film Mm -hmm. is more than just, uh, entertainment. It's, um, high art. Yeah. It can be saying something about, as something that we all face regardless if it's the same language the same color of person that you're seeing on the screen the same decade that it's set you know it's so far removed from what we're used to you know sweden in during the black plague with a knight and you know i just i could not be any further from that character apart from it's a white male mm-hmm. um and chess who plays that <laughs> I wish I could play chess. As being a big fan of Frasier, I'm so jealous that they can, that they play chess all the time. Um, I need to learn. But um, I'll, I'll I'll teach you. I used to oh, be yeah. in the the homeschool chess club. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Please do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe we can we can have a game sometime. Yeah, man. Um. And if you lose, 
you're coming with me a la death <laughs> so um that sounded more sinister than intended <laughs> <laughs> to me um what was i saying but yeah i think that the characters are so relatable like just the the feeling of death and kind of being shadowed by it is just what we all kind of live with you know yeah because it doesn't matter where you're from yeah you death know. is inevitable yeah and i find it really interesting that the the female character that um that yon's kind of picks up along the way like doesn't say a word until death arrives at the end and it's just like the great let like everyone is just on the same place at that point you know death yeah. is the great leveler Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just all the same. She's the one that seems to be most okay with it, you know, compared yeah. to everybody else. Well, she's basically a slave, so yeah, she's probably like, oh, sweet relief. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, like you know, we talked a bit about <laughs> yeah rape scenes in the last episode because of once upon a time in America, there's no rape scene in this movie, but there's a rape conversation. And it's like that character is just yeah. like, I could have raped you, you know, and yeah, give me like, props. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't. And, and it's like, and then he's like, you know what I'll do? I'll make you my wife. Like it's like, it's some kind of like, uh, yeah. Trade privilege, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's supposed to be like the 14th century. So, but I mean, yeah, it's like people like men still act that way. Like, yeah, it's a yeah. privilege to marry me. You know, and it's just like <laughs> it's this archaic mindset that still exists. Yeah, I did feel bad because I felt that because that that line I was like, ugh. But then the line after that really made me laugh. When he's like, "I do have a wife. Maybe she's dead." <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah there are some there are some really funny moments in this movie like you said it's pretty surprising but um but yeah it's 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 one that i'm i'm sure i will go back to very soon yeah yeah i mean like i said the religious elements in it are just right on my street so um just loved all the all the talk of you know where is he yeah and the this depiction of people that really believe that were like whipping themselves and stuff like that because they thought that it was a plague sent by god it's just it's crazy yeah so much to it i love the the painter in the like in the chapel that's just like yeah this is, you know, if people want to be annoyed that this is, you know, that the devil is them painting the devil and Grim Reaper and all these people hurting themselves, they can be. I'll go and paint something nicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just so nonchalantly. Yeah. Man. Because this, it did come from Bergman seeing like a painting of a knight playing chess against death. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I find it really interesting that it is chess because when he's talking to him in that cathedral um block says you know i'm going to use the bishop and the and the knight and again that's reference to i think the 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 war that's going on because it's like church and government kind of coming together mm, yeah to fight this war that's really interesting and it's yeah. not going to work death's like you can't treat me like that yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've already know what you're gonna do. 
Yeah, that was such a great scene. Like, I feel like oh, this yeah. is like a. I mean, this would be like an actor's dream, like because mm-hmm. all of the scenes just have so much for the actor to do and so much meaning yeah. behind the dialogue and stuff. Um, like it, it just seemed like every single line that was coming was like poetry. Like, yeah. That like, just like on another level that, you know, just like some ancient story. Yeah. Like scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, and I, yeah, leading on from that, I love that he doesn't, go for the overdramatic you know i mean in that scene especially he could have hidden death's face the whole scene and then been like oh you shouldn't have told me that move because i'm death you know <laughs> yeah. it's been like this big dramatic like <gasps> but instead it's like we know it's death yeah and it's just he's sneaky and conniving he's not dramatic yeah mm-hmm. you know um uh, it's just yeah he's not there to like be the boogeyman yeah He's just there to know what how to beat him at chess. Yeah. Oh, it's like poetry. Yeah. So beautiful. It was beautiful. I'm so glad we saw it. Yeah, man. Uh I feel like this would be if we had like a film church radio um must see films, yeah. this would be on it. Yeah, we should do that maybe at yeah. some point. Maybe like a a Christmas special towards the essentials towards the of, the of the year. year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Morbius. Oh, <God>. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> there's, there's always too many Jared Leto references in an episode. Even when there's zero, I'm like, we got close. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I, and, I think that's, do you have anything else? I don't know. I think, like I said, I think, I, like, well, like you said, the more I watch this film, the more I'm going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, this is just the initial watch. So I think I'm still in awe of just the storytelling and the visuals of this piece of work. I haven't really thought much about the, yeah, the you're still story. Yeah, you're still processing it. I mean, I just watched it today too. And it's like, you know, I, I feel like this film is going to be on my mind for a while. Yeah. And then I'll do a rewatch and and get more out of it and really be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, okay. <laughs> do you want to go ahead and guess what the other person rated it on Letterboxd? Yes. Um. I actually I haven't even thought about what I was gonna rate it. Let me think for a second. Um, Man, this is gonna be hard for me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Um. Okay. I think I know. Okay. I'm going to say that you're going to rate it four. You got it. Oh, dang (laughs) it. No, you got it. It was four. (laughs) You got it. Just the saying that, you know, watching it on the second, you might get something more out of it. Yeah. I I don't think it's quite a five yet, but maybe on a rewatch. I think so. Yeah. I did love this movie. This was a good movie. Good. I'm Um, glad because I was a bit worried because last week we were like, you're like, I want something uplifting. I was like, oh, this is about death and yeah. Plague but and- <laughs> ironically, it was in some yeah. way. I mean, it wasn't. It's not like you know, obviously, the most uplifting film ever. Like, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. Don't be like, this is a movie a depressed person should watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't as 
It wasn't a downer, really. You know? Yeah, yeah. But all right, I'm gonna say that you get you rated this film five. Ding ding yeah. ding ding. Yeah, I knew. I just knew from We're that, getting better at this. And from that overhead shot of the bird in the sky, I was like, I'm gonna love this. Yeah, and I did. Um, and I watched it. Well, I've watched it one and a half times. So <laughs> in a day, <laughs> so many times. Yeah, it's just wonderful. Perfect. Deserves to be touted. Um, So we haven't, I mean, we did this last week, but you haven't picked a film for us to watch for for a while. So I'm super excited (laughs) to know what you've picked. So I had a movie. Yeah. I changed it in the middle of the day today. Okay. Um, So I might go back to the other movie later, but... This is a movie that I've been wanting you to watch for a while from 2014. Yeah. With Justin Long and Michael Parks. Written and directed by Kevin Smith, Tusk. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to lead into it more interestingly. I knew as soon as you said Justin Long, I was like, I think I know what this is going to (laughs) be. Yeah, I mean, after watching Jason Muse's movie today, I was like, "Yeah." Um, I mean, Tusk and Red State are my probably. I don't know. I mean, I I do love Clerks, yeah, of course, you know. But like, when I saw Red State, I was like, Kevin Smith is not the filmmaker I thought he was. Like, he's way yeah. more interesting. I mean, he's been interesting, and he's always mm-hmm. been fun. And and the person of Kevin Smith is such a He's such a great person, like and personality, and I love yeah. like he's always positive. I love watching his all of his live stuff and his podcasts and stuff. But, um, and then he followed it up with Tusk, which was a which was another like left turn. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, super excited to see what you think about it, and also see yeah. what I think about it on the rewatch because I think awesome. Probably only watched it when it first came out. Yeah, well, um, that's what it's all about. Yeah, man. Good, that's a good pick, and one that I've been wanting to get to. Yeah. So, I love Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, man, he's, uh, this will be a fun one to watch, and for those listening, I mean, we'll get into it next week, but I mean, this this film came about because of a podcast that he does. Yeah. And uh, they, like him and his producer, basically came up with the story on a podcast, and then got their listeners to vote if they should make it a movie, and they were like, yes, and... <laughs> so they did (laughs) so um anyway that'll be next week ladies and gentlemen excited to watch it um i think that brings us to the end sorry there was a pause i was (laughs) i forgot that i was the one hosting this week (laughs) (laughs) that's all good um like i said you can find us on twitter and instagram at film church radio you can follow us individually on letterboxd brandon is at selman scope and i am at walker lewis 3007 you can keep up with what we've been watching live you don't have to wait week to week to find out what we've been watching throughout that previous week um i am also going to start writing some reviews on there at some point so you can hear my unedited mind go about films that we <laughs> don't have to talk about too much on the podcast um we also have all our back episodes streaming please go and check them out there's some good stuff back there um but before we go brandon you play chess do you not 
How did you know? I've seen it in paintings and heard it in ballads. Yes, I am quite the skillful player. Awesome. If you ever get approached by someone to play chess on a beach that's dressed all in black, don't do it. Or maybe do it. I don't know what the... I'll say I've got a date to play chess with Lewis. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll have to... (laughs) You'll have to bail me out. (laughs) Yeah. We'll have to put it up on YouTube. One of us will have to dress as death and the other person will have to dress in a 14th century knight costume. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Well, thank you all for listening to us ramble about this film. Um, And we'll see you all next week for Tusk. That's right. Don't forget to say your film prayers. Hail Hitchcock. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Bye.